Welcome back to your journey to happiness. My name is Angela Quibelli. And today is season one, episode 12, Regret. Okay, I am happy to announce, I'm ecstatic to announce that this podcast is being recorded from the front porch of my log cabin. So as an update to my last episode or to the road to my cabin as a quick update um, the the um, appraisal that took forever to get done it finally came in at 5000 over uh, contract price which is what they kind of try and do the the um, the, uh, the appraisers you know they, they try and shoot for that as a goal and they just really find enough properties or th- at least three properties relatively nearby that justify that contract price for that amount of land blah 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 and you know i guess it's good too that i'm, I'm on i'm in virginia and i'm on the north carolina border so you know he i think the guy picked one place one or two from virginia nearby and another property from uh north carolina you know so like two properties were about the same price one was higher and it, it appraised uh, nicely we went to closing like within a week it was crazy and i'll get i'll get i'll discuss that at, at a later date um, you know about moving in and all that stuff because so because this is actually I think our fourth week now in the place and so much has happened in the last three weeks that I I, I definitely want to tell you about it, you know in the future or the near future hopefully but you know for now I wanted to discuss something else but for today at least for today let me tell you how great how exciting today was for me all right I got up at about 7:30 and let me backtrack a little. You know, over the last whatever thirty plus years or more, you know, I, you know, I bought a few houses, right? And every house like that I looked at or that I bought, I always liked when the house in the kitchen above the sink was a window looking into the backyard. You know, preferably, I've always kind of liked that. It wasn't really a priority, and I never had a house like that, right? So this log cabin, it it has that. It has the above the sink. It has a little window that looks into the backyard, and you know, it's 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 beautiful. It's it's such a nice feeling when you're doing dishes or doing whatever it is, you know, in the kitchen. I like that. You know, what I prefer the whole wall was, you know, a glass. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, this is a log home, so I guess you know the majority of the walls are log, right? Or logs, like Lincoln logs, right? So I'm just excited that I have this window out overlooking the backyard. Now the way my cabin is is you know situated. The, the, the yard, like the back, there's a yard on the left and then the backyard and then the side and the, the right side yard. And it horseshoes around the left and back and right side of the cabin. And what's nice about the cabin too is I have this wraparound porch that's kind of opposite. So the wraparound porch, it wrap, it, it's again, now it's a U, like a horseshoe in front of the cabin. So it goes from the right side, you know, the rear of the cabin. There's nothing in, there's no, no, no deck or anything at the rear of the cabin. So it goes from the right side at the, the back edge all the way around the front and to the left side at the back edge. So that's how it's situated, right? So <laughs> so this morning, and I got up around 7.30, I made my espresso, my Italian coffee that I, I do every morning if I can. And I have my little biscotti with my little my little Snuggalicious, my uh, mini um, uh, golden doodle, who's been with me for seven years now. Seven years. Every day for seven years. This little girl, this little 36-pound fluffy sweetness has given me so much love it's amazing anyway so so make i just made my coffee as the coffee was brewing 
um, I, I, you know, I let Snuggie out. I watch her on the front, on the side porch. I let her out in the grass, you know, towards the back. I watch her. I, I tell her, come on, let's go. She comes back. You know, she's good like that. She's, she's really is like a porch dog. It's kind of nice. So she comes in back in the cabin, and now I'm about to pour my coffee and then go sit out on the cabin because it was really nice out this morning and just have my espresso, right? So anyway, so as I'm at the sink getting ready to pour my espresso out of the pot, I look up and through the window. Now, first of all, the depth of my backyard is really only about maybe 20 to 25 yards, maybe. Probably just 20 yards, honestly. And then it's just tree line, right? The side yards are... I guess maybe a little bit a little bit deeper, but the backyard, the depth is only about 20 yards, right? So I can literally, from my kitchen window, throw a rock and hit the first set of trees, right? So I'm at the sink today, this morning at like 7.35 or 7.40. I look up, and right in front of me, between my kitchen, my kitchen window and the tree line, a little bit close to the tree line, about 15 yards away was a black bear. Oh my God, it was so exciting. It was really exciting. I woke up my son. I said, you got to see this. And and he was so excited to see it. And we had heard there were black bear on the property. And actually, my son, again, we're here four weeks. And the first three weeks that we moved in were the last three weeks of the, the spring turkey hunting season. And on this property, there are deer, there are turkey, black bear. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I just possibly bobcat possibly because we're in the we're in the mountains so um so that is definitely the deer turkey and 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 black and black bear i've seen turkey already uh, my son was hunting them and and he didn't get any because because this season the the spring season you have to get a bearded male you can't just get a hen or you can't just get a female so he was calling getting up early in the morning calling them using different calls and he was actually able to call them in so he was excited about that and he, and while he was doing that he saw deer and he can't hunt deer right now so he was like so excited because he's, he's really into this hunting you know thing he's been into it for a couple of years now i'd like to kind of get into it myself even though i'm more of a fisherman so anyway the, uh, the like the first week we were here he 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 while he was hunting calling the turkey and seeing the deer and whatnot a black bear did run across one of the open fields and like it was, it was scary and exciting at the same time. So we and and on his trail cameras, the hunting trail cameras, we do see black bear at night on the on the, as well as deer on the trail cameras. So we know they're on the property. But this morning was the first time I saw it, and it was like the cutest thing. It could rip me to shreds, but it was the cutest thing. Black bear are not aggressive unless it's a, f- a female with her cubs. Brown bear, the brown bear or the grizzly bears are very aggressive. They'll just charge you for no reason. But the black bear supposedly. I mean, you shouldn't be feeding them or anything like that, but supposedly they are kind of more scared of you unless, I guess, you have them cornered or they're with their cubs, right? So I woke my son up. He's like, oh, that's so cool. And it was actually smaller than the one he had previously seen and way smaller than the one we saw on the trail cameras. Oh, my God. So anyway, so now I'm taking I'm taking video because now it's walking on all fours. It's walking just through my backyard to the, you know, to, to the right side. And now I, now I go to that side door. I'm taking more video from the, the glass window of the door. And I'm a little afraid to go out on the porch, but I, I go out. I make sure my dog didn't come with me because I didn't want to run after it, bark, startle it, whatever the case may be, right? I don't know how that dynamic would work right now. So I went out on the, 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 the porch and and, I'm t- and it sees me, it sees me taking video of it. It stops, just looks at me, 
and then after a few seconds runs into the woods but it was the coolest thing and then like an hour later after breakfast i'm walking my dog through uh one of the major paths that lead from my cabin to my my two ponds and the first clearing that we we get to um i saw three turkey running through the field oh and on top and on top of it tonight i have this i have a big pond about a half acre pond um, that's that supposedly is stocked with fish when I first got here I really I saw some little things I wasn't sure what they were but now I'm seeing that there are some bass in there largemouth bass like baby ones I haven't seen any big ones and some little bluegill fish right so I've been fishing like crazy in the local lakes and and reservoirs and, t and the bluegill you can take as many as you want so any bluegill like I've caught 10 so far I put them in my pond and the largemouth bass they have to be a certain size I caught four huge ones in the last like three weeks and I put them in my pond and I actually could see them swimming in there and it's funny the first two large ones I got I got them on separate days and then like the like a day or two later I see them swimming together in my pond like as if they hooked up it was so cool and what's nice about the reason for the bluegill and, and the largemouth bass, bass is that they get along well and not only that but it's, it's a symbiotic relationship in other words the bluegill, like, first of all, what's good about bluegill is that they they spawn throughout the summer. So that's good. And you need, like, ratio-wise, you should have, like, 10 bluegill per bass, largemouth bass that you have in your pond, right? I guess for them to thrive together. Because as the bluegill lay eggs, the bass will eat those eggs. That's food for them. And I believe, and I know that the largemouth bass will only spawn in the spring, and it's either their their eggs or their what's called fry, bass fry, which I'm not fully clear on what that is. I don't know if they're little parasites that hang on to the bass, but the bluegill will eat that, so that's their food source. And then clearly, if the bass are big enough and the bluegill is small enough, the bass will eat the bluegill. So it's like a symbiotic relationship. So tonight, and again, I've only put about ten bluegill in there and four nice large largemouth bass, right? at least three pounds each maybe three and a half nice ones so tonight though i went i went fishing and in my pond just for a little bit and i caught my first largemouth bass but it wasn't one of the big ones i caught it was something that was already in there and to me it looks like probably about two years old because i've seen some uh some babies that were probably from this spring then i seen some some bigger which is probably from last year this one though it's either two or three years old right I just haven't seen any big bass like other than what I caught so far. But anyway, so that's the day I had. Just one day. And I, I can't wait to tell you about the last three weeks, which were crazy. Right? But that'll be for another time. But So let's get to the meat and potatoes of today's episode, Regret. Um, the real, I want to talk about Regret because last episode, which was a, over a month ago, and I apologize, but, but again, it's been so crazy, right? With this move and everything. But last month when I was talking about how what I think is... Um, um, the biggest threat to that your long your long term inner happiness was like your life's failures whether you know you wasted 23 years in a career in law enforcement like I did or you know you got divorced or you, you know whatever you failed at your job or got fired or you know things like that right whatever the case may be relationships with your, your kids maybe your kids aren't talking to you you know life's failures that you know we all have right but what I want to talk about tonight is, re or today, well, it's tonight. I'm sitting on my porch and, and almost, it's almost pitch black now. I've got my handgun with me. You know, I always carry a gun on the property. You have to, you know, knowing that, that they were bare from the, from day one, right? And especially now since I've seen it. Um, 
So I'm sitting on my front porch. It's almost uh, pitch, dark, pitch black. So what I want to talk to you about tonight about re why regret is because I think the biggest threat to your daily happiness, and I, and I mentioned one threat previously about daily happiness is a big threat to daily happiness is, is relationships like with, you know, your family and, and your friends and whatever, coworkers. But I want to talk about another threat, which is probably probably just as big if not threatening or, or, or even more but another threat to your daily happiness is regret all right and i'll explain why because usually you're confronted with it constantly like there's a constant reminder of it for example me right for you if you listen to my podcast you know that for like 30 something years i, I can't even do the math right now but for 30 something years i dropped the ball i always wanted to get a motorcycle right since 1993 or 93 I think it was no 92 since 1992 I want to get a motorcycle and I and I finally got my first one three years ago in 2018 so you do the math so for 30 plus years I wanted a motorcycle I wanted to see how it was like to own one to ride one whatever the case may be right so that was a, a that was a long lasting regret but the point is like every spring and summer what do you see you see motorcyclists on the road you know, you'll see the guys on their cool Harleys or whatever. You'll see a guy with a girl on the back. Like, oh, I wish I had the Harley. I wish I had a girl on the back. You know, things like that, right? But you're constantly reminded of it. You know, so like on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, it's it's a threat, right? It just makes you feel like shit. You know, if, if that's what you want. Like if you want a motorcycle and you're, you're, chicken, you're chicken out. And now you see, every spring and summer you see it every day. Or you see groups of them and guys riding alone. Guys riding with a girl. Guys riding in 10 groups. You know, motorcycle gangs. You know, Sons of Anarchy. Well, what's that other new one now? The Mayans. You know, I mean, I'm just saying. You're constantly reminded, right? Also, like in a breakup, for example. Let's say you just break up with somebody. You know. Then you see another couple, and of course you're going to assume they're happy, right? Which they may not be, but now that's going to remind you. Or maybe a certain song reminds you, right? Or when you drink tequila, right? Like the song says. You know, things that remind you, and it's like a, it can be a constant reminder, right? Or if you get divorced, and, you, and all your friends are married, and you're hearing about their, your friends talking about how, what a wonderful weekend they had with their spouse, and all this horse shit. And you know, again, it's a constant reminder. So, so regret is an absolute threat to your daily happiness, without a doubt. But what's nice about regret, in my opinion, is that I think you could prevent 95% of it. And I'll explain. Let me just take a quick sip of my uh, favorite red wine. Mmm, delish. All right. Let's go back. Let's step back a tad for a little background. I think it was like 1984, 85. I think I just graduated college. Like I was like 21. And at that time, Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins, was just popping. He was just getting big. And he had he had a couple, maybe one or two books out. I think Unlimited Power was one of them, maybe his first one, and and I which I read. And then he had these that was back in the day when we had audio cassettes still to play in your car right this was after eight tracks for you old timers no more eight tracks and we went to audio cassettes and then you know cds right so this was still in the audio cassette era and maybe portables cd players were starting to pop up right 
So I got this this audio cassette series from Tony Robbins. It may have even been called Unlimited Power to match his first book. I don't know. Or maybe it was called something else. It's irrelevant. But the point is, in one of his cassettes or one of his whatever chapters, whatever you want to call it, he, he spoke about the rocking chair test. Now, I don't know if he came up with it. I don't know if he coined this, if, if he owns it, the phrase or whatever. But he at least he talked about it. And what he was saying is, is that picture yourself, whatever, 70, 80, 90, 80, 70, 80, 90 years old, whatever. And you're sitting in your rocking chair because that's what we do at 70, 80, 90 years old. You're sitting in your rocking chair either on the front porch of your log cabin in the mountains like I am right now. And there's a rocking chair, by the way. It's amazing. It, and, and the previous owner left the furniture. It's so cool. These things are beautiful. I, I have two huge ones. They're like, they're almost like thrones. It's amazing. And they're made out of this this wood. You know, it looks like log. I don't know if it is, but, and they're huge and they rock. Oh, it's just so cool. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway, so let's say you're 70, 80, 90 years old and you're like me. You're sitting on your rocking chair or in, on your, you know, in your log cabin. Or you're sitting in your rocking chair at your home. Or you're sitting in your rocking chair in an assisted living facility or an insane asylum. Wherever it is that when you're 70, 80, or 90 years old and you're sitting in your rocking chair, what are you going to wish you did? What are you going to say to yourself? Oh, I wish I... What? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. Something about being out here too. I don't know if it's a pollen or what, but I'm like sucking in flies or something. But anyway, welcome to Mountain Life, right? Anyway, so like, what are you going to say? Are you going to like, like imagine if I didn't get my motorcycle three years ago. I know the first thing I was going to say is, wow, I wish I got that motorcycle 50 years ago, 60 years ago, right? And how, how's that going to feel? gonna feel like I'm gonna feel like shit and what else am I gonna say well what are you gonna say right oh I wish I went skydiving when I had the chance or I wish I started my own business or I wish I what right there's gonna be something <coughs> god excuse me there's gonna be maybe I should go inside there's gonna be something that you wish you did now usually it's not that you wish. oh you know like you like you regret that you did something oh i shouldn't have married her you know it's not gonna it's i think more so it's what you wish you didn't do i think that's more damaging i think most people the regret's stronger for stuff you you didn't do that you wanted to as opposed to like well yeah i wish i didn't do that because you know what the bottom line is mistakes are natural and that's how we learn and you know people f up right it happens so I don't, it's not really about that. It's more about what do you wish you didn't do, right? Oh, I wish I, you know, started my own business. I wish I started a website. I wish I, again, you know you, right? What do you think you're going to wish you said you did? And, and think about being in that situation. I know you're going to feel like shit. I know it. It's just natural. I mean, what do I say? The cemeteries are, are, are filled with unfulfilled dreams, Right, they're they're rich in unfulfilled dream cemeteries. Right, it's the same principle. So, that's the whole idea behind a rocking chair chest. Right, you know, you're gonna say, oh, you know, I wish I kissed that girl at summer camp, or I wish I asked so and so to marry me, or it's usually I wish I I did something that you didn't do. Right, that's really what it is. Right, or I wish I went to college, or I wish I finished college, or I wish I, I don't know. I mean, it could be a million things. Right, you guys know who you are. And what you what you want out of life, right? So if you're the type that just wants and wants and wishes and hopes and never gets, then you're gonna you know you're gonna be the one sitting in that chair saying, "I wish I, I wish I, I wish I," right? 
So even knowing that back in 1985, let's say, right, you know, it stuck with me. And so, you know, I tried to live my life. Excuse me. Let me get a little sip of my red wine. Mm. I tried to live my life with without regret, right? But it's hard when you're young, you know, because your 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 head's di- at a different place because you want to get a career, you want to get married, you want to get a house, you want to have kids, and all this, in my opinion, horseshit. That looking back now was really wor- was meaningless. Like like I should have been living with life without regret from the start, right? So only honestly. You know, I mean, I let my career get in the way, which I was a waste 23 years. So I let that get in the way, you know, trying to do the right thing and all this nonsense and never being appreciated, right? So I just let life get in the way because I thought certain things were important, right? Career, marriage, eh, getting a big house, whatever. That is so not important, you know? And I, and, and, and I wish back then I was more self-aware. I wish back then I for sure live my life without regret. I, I do it now though, right? So I would say over the last three years, not even even not when I retired did I start living my life. Well, I started a little bit when I retired like six, seven years ago, but definitely more so in the last three years. And again, what I do in the last three, three years ago, I bought my first motorcycle, right? Because I no longer want to live my life with regret. I will not do it. And you, you may say, well, that's easier to say, easier said than done. But no, it's not. You know why? And I'll tell you why. Because what's nice about regret is that you can prevent it. I think we can prevent 95% of regret. Well, how? This way. When you make, when you, when you, every day we have decisions, right? Some big, some small. But every day we have decisions, whether it's over relationships, finances, buying a log cabin, you know, whatever, right? Buying a motorcycle, you know, taking lessons, eh, whatever. You know, following your dream, your passion, quitting your shitty job and, you know, becoming an Instagram model. Whatever it is you want to do. A YouTube sensation, TikTok famous, right? Whatever your dreams are now, right? Um, so, so, so... We have decisions every day regarding those dreams and just regarding life's decisions, right? So we have decisions every day. And what I do, and you could do the same thing. I'm not, you know, I'm no specialist in this or guru. You just got to decide to do it. So what I do, any decision that comes my way is as menial as it is or as big scale as it is. I think real quick. I assess real quick. Sometimes I have the luxury of thinking about it for like a couple of weeks or a month, whatever, or, or the or a season of something or the winter, you know, whatever. Sometimes you have like let's say there's something you you know you're gonna a decision that's gonna come down down your way, like whether it's over the next summer, next winter, whatever. You, they, they you have the luxury of time, obviously, but sometimes we just have split the second split second decisions. Right, or even that you've 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 had time to prepare, but now it's go time, and you're re, you're assessing it real quick again, right? And I'll explain an example. But, but the point is this: every day we have decisions, right, big or small. So would, it's easy just to when you're making that decision as fast as it is, it's easy to quickly think, okay, if I don't go through with this thing, whatever it is, whether it's a purchase, signing a contract, whatever, if I don't go through with this what's the you know what's the potential regret right or if i do go through with this 
what's the potential regret? It's either one or the other, right? You're going to regret more on one side. Okay, the regret's going to be more powerful on one side. What, what do I want to call that? The, uh, let's call it the, what, potential regret, potential regret meter, right? P-R-M, and I'm coining that. That's my term. So it's either, let's say, potential regret meter or potential regret gauge or potential regret level, whatever you want to call it, you know, DEFCON 1, 2, 3, right? Whatever you want to call it, any decision, you quickly assess, okay, if I don't go through with this, how am I going to feel a year from now, six months from now, five years from now, or when I'm 70, 80, 90 years, or 90 years old in a rocking chair? Or if I go through with this, will I have, will there be, possibly be regrets? And, and you quickly pick which side's going to be the most regret. So then you go with the other side. Am I right? It can easily, it, it's an easy fix. It really is, if you think about it. Right? Like, for example, when I closed on this log cabin three weeks ago, you know, at every stage, when I, you know, when I, when I came here and made the offer and it was accepted and I went to, to, to the, uh, the agent's, uh, real estate agent's office and I, I hand, as I was handing over that check for $10,000 as a deposit and signing the purchase contract, which is, you know, legally binding, right? You know, for a split second, I'm thinking, okay, will I regret not going through this or will I regret going through with this? And I'm talking about milliseconds as, I, as I'm handing over the check and now lifting my pen to sign. The, the, the two and a half seconds that that took, it went through my mind quickly. Okay, if I go through with this, it could potentially change my life, change my older boy's life, even change my younger son's life for the rest of our lives, right? And maybe their kids if they have kids, Right? You know, if I go through it, it's, it's going to change our lives. Most likely for the better, right? If I go through it and, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? What what the land is, I don't know, it's, 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 there's, you know, there's toxic chemicals or EPA violations that I find later on and I'm like screwed and I got to sell this thing. Like, really, is that going to happen? You know? But now on the other hand, if I don't go through with this, that, that was the bigger regret for me, for me personally. Obviously, everyone's different, right? So for me personally, <clears throat> I thought real quick that if I don't go through with this, if I wussy out and bail and say, you know what, uh, you know, let me think about it and clearly lose the sale because there were like 30 people behind me that wanted this thing and people apparently are still calling the agent wanting this cabin, Right. Oh, did it, did it fall through? Did the guy get his mortgage? You know, stuff like that, right? All the vultures, right? So so I thought real quick. I said, okay, if I, if I blow this deal, you know, we'll see out. And I've been looking for a cabin for a couple of years now. You know, North Georgia, the Carolina, North Carolina, you know, Virginia, Pennsylvania, whatever you want to call it. Anything but New York. Because I can't, you know, because I, I, I don't like the politics in New York anymore. But anyway, that's, that's for you. I don't want to go there. So if I don't go through it, my son's going to be, my older boy's going to be devastated. Right? And he didn't even see the place yet. But I know it's going to break his heart that we didn't get a cabin. Because he thought we were getting a different one. That one near Richmond, Virginia. Between Richmond, Virginia and Charlottesville that I spoke about. 
he thought we were going through with that one. Right? So if I bailed on this, I wasn't going to go through on that one, really. And that meant I wasn't going to get anyone. I was going to keep looking. And I've been looking long enough to know that the good ones go right away like this one did. Like, I grabbed it right away. So what am I going to wait another six months or to, to, to a year or three years to maybe find another nice one? I don't, you know, like the regret was so stronger on that end of, of letting it deal go that I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm going through with it. And I'm glad I did. Now, granted, there are some things, there are some situations where I went through with something, whether it was a purchase or, no, I'm sorry, let me go back. There were some things where um, I didn't go through with something because I, I felt that was the better choice. And, you know, a few months later, I realized, yeah, it was a good thing I didn't go through with that. So, you know, it could happen either way. But in this case, the regret for not going through with this deal was so much stronger for me. Like the day I bought my motorcycle three years ago, when I sat on that Indian Scout and it felt right, and I went ahead and signed the papers for, a, I put 500 down and I said, I'm buying it brand new, I want this color. I knew that if I passed up on that deal, if I wussied out a, a fifth time, I knew that I would just, the regret was just so strong, right? I knew then then that even if I go through it, what's a big deal? It's a couple hundred dollars a month. And, you know, I guess I could always sell the bike and, you know, hopefully I don't get killed. I mean, you know, so I'm just saying the regret in that situation for, for not going through with buying that motorcycle was so much stronger than than bailing out on it. So that's why the, these decisions we come, come up with every day. Some are big, some are small. But you have the opportunity to, you know, to, to quickly assess your, your regret meter. Let's call it your regret meter. Quickly assess. All right? It's going to be, it's, it's like a scale. It it's not really even. It's going to go one way or the other. So your regret for do, going through with something is going to be stronger than not, or vice versa. Go, you know, the regret with not going through it, it's going to be stronger. It all depends on you, your, your, what you want out of life. Right? Like, for example, a good friend of mine, Robert, good friend, we went to college together. Uh, you know, we were li- we used to live near each other, relatively near each other. And he, you know, during the last three years of my motorcycle journey, he was actually a big part of it because he, I remember, at least for this last motorcycle, this Indian Challenger, he drove me to the dealership and where I, when I picked it up, you know, to ride it home. Um, and I know a few times when bringing in for maintenance or some other issues, he's driven me and, you know, whatever the case. He's, he's a good friend like that, right? So, and I, and I would never push motorcycle riding on anyone because people can get killed, right? I wouldn't do that. But if somebody starts to talk about it, then I'll say, hey, yeah, why don't you give it a shot? Blah, 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 whatever. So I guess, you know, in, throughout the three years of kind of like being, you know, part of, of my motorcycle journey a little bit or maybe you know, maybe living through me, his motorcycle itch, his itch grew stronger. So now, three summers later, you know, he said to me, we were having whatever breakfast or lunch the other day, a few months ago, and he said that he's seriously thinking about, now through these through these years, through the last three years too, he, ever so often he'd send me a picture of a nice Harley he thought was cool, or he'd say, hey, I, I went to the Harley dealer and I sat on this and it, you know, it felt okay or whatever, you know, so, you know, he's been you know, I guess looking for a little bit or somewhat interested. But a few months ago, we were having, you know, breakfast or lunch, whatever it was. And, and he said, he goes, you know, he's thinking about taking the motorcycle, the three-day class, beginner class, you know, this spring or I guess summer. Yeah, this summer. Um, well, this May. 
June, you know, May slash June. And I'm like, oh, that's great, you know, because that's really a good way to see. You'll see in those, I mean, the first the first day is only a, a classroom nonsense, but apparently you can take that online now. And then it's just really two days of writing, eight hours, and then that, that second day, the second half of that day is the road test with your same instructors you, who've been teaching for two days. So it's it, they do it nicely now as compared to, like, since 90, you know, 1992 when I did it, you know? So I said, that's great. I said, because you'll know in those two days on those little 250 bikes that they give you, you'll know if like this is something you could transition to on the street. Like you could go to the next level, right? Because you got because so you got to have balance to begin with, number one. And you got to understand the whole clutch thing and using your hands and your feet. And, you know, some guys just don't get it or some gals just don't get it. There's usually one person in every class that either just doesn't have the ability to do it. They, don't, they just don't get the mechanics of it. You know, letting the clutch out nicely, braking while bringing the clutch in to, you know, together and, you know, using both the hand and foot brake. They just don't get the mechanics of it. And then, of course, there's always one person who's just deathly afraid also. So that's what's good about this three-day class is that you'll you'll know if at the end of it you'll know if this is something you think you could do in your neighborhood, right? You'll know. So I told myself I think it's a great thing. Take the class; it's a couple of hundred bucks. Was it three and change? Take it. See now, and and like you know he's kind of wa- I mean I'm not criticizing him, but he's kind of waffling. Well, I'm sensing that he's waffling a little bit on taking the class. And I'm not 100% sure where it's where it's coming from. I kind of have an idea. But the point is, like, the decision to just take the class, the regret meter is kind of low on that one. I mean, you're not going to die in the class. You're in a parking lot. You're really not going to kill yourself in the class. Can you? Yeah. But you're probably not. You may not even fall, right? So, what is it? You got, you don't want to spend. Like, I'm not talking about him. I'm just saying, you know, what's what's the where's the regret in taking this class? Like, you know, you're gonna lose 300 bucks or something. You know, I mean, it's worth the 300 no, to know whether this is a go or a no go, right? Am I right? So the regret meter isn't so you know strong. You know, we're not at DefCon one or whatever the highest one is, right? You're at like DefCon four, right? It's no big deal. Now, if you pass and go through with it, and now you're at the motorcycle shop, or you're getting ready to buy a motorcycle, that's a little bit of, that's a lot higher of a regret meter. Now you're at DEFCON 3 or 2, you know what I'm saying? So, so I, I don't really totally get why he's, he seems like he's waffling a little bit on the first part. And, you know, I kind of have an idea. I think really it's more so about his family and, and like, you know, he's worried about how they're going to react to it and or whatever. And, and, and I understand. I get what he's saying because I, I, I had the same problem. I mean, my my immediate family was, was a nightmare when I bought my motorcycle home. They were screaming at me and calling me stupid. You're going to die. Why'd you waste money? That money's for us. And it was so, like, traumatic. But I didn't let it get to me because, thank God, I already bought the bike. But what I did do was I, I quickly got self-storage. And this way, out of sight, out of mind. You know what I'm saying? So he already knows that that's, he's going to do that. And I think it's a smart move. I agree 100%. He already knows he's not going to store it at home because his, his family's going to have a shit fit. He's not going to store it at home. He's going to store it like I did locally. It's worth 100 and change for not hearing it, right? But 
what's he's bringing it up a notch, which which I don't agree with, and and it's sad that he's in that situation. He's kind of bringing it up in a notch now, also where he's even now worried about what he's going, what is he going to tell his family when he wants to disappear for a few hours to you know clandestinely get to that storage facility and go for a nice ride. And I told him, I said, Robert, I said, hold on now. I said, let me tell you, I, I get the whole storage thing, and I think it's great, that, you know, because you know I did that, right? Because even one time, a couple times, he even dropped me off at storage or picked me up, right? So I said, Robert, I get that, but I said, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to worry about every time you ride about what your family thinks, you can't have that in your head. You're going to die. You are going to absolutely die. You cannot worry about what your family thinks, you can't start making up lies about where you're going. So if you can't get over that, if you can't handle that now, stop. Don't even buy a motorcycle. Don't even take the class. Because if you let them get in your head, you will have an accident. You will die. I told them that straight out, and I honestly believe that. That's why when I ride, I've got to block my immediate family. Because I don't even want to hear it. Oh, what are you doing? You're going to die. You know, I, I don't want to hear that. It's it, so... So, you know, the regret meter is, it's going to be high. Well, clearly, though, now, now, see, now I understand why just taking the class, his regret meter is very high because he's already has his family in his head. He, he already is allowing his family to play with his head. And they know nothing about this, but he's already anticipating it. So in that case, that's why his regret meter for this just this stupid class is so high because he's already letting the potential um, feelings of his fa immediate family get in get in his head so honestly he shouldn't even take the class I mean I lent him my, my first helmet I wish him the best of luck but I, I tell you the truth if he if that regret meter for the class is so high because of what he's thinking about down the road he should really just stop now it, it's it's gonna it's not gonna end well you know, and, and it's, you know, I don't want to say this you know, because I could see it's like a, it's probably a little dream, like a dream of his, you know, you know, and I just I really wish he he wasn't letting his family get into his head because it's just not healthy. It's not good. So, you know, hopefully he'll work it out. But I just I just, um, you know, it, you know, like I said, every decision has its own regret level and it's based on you right it's individual based on you what you're going through with your life your family or what you're thinking about or how you know how much you let family get into your head or friends get into your head so you know i guess i was lucky i, I you know i i knew i need to do this for me and i'll and look and i see where my friend rob is coming from because i'll tell you something i'm not afraid to admit it when i took my when i took my three-day class you know i had to go somewhere for the for the class i was just you know, I just went out that night. I didn't have to say where I was going. or I even forgot what I said. I don't remember. I don't give a shit. But the point is, for that two-day class, um, I'm trying to think what the heck was going on at that time that I couldn't I couldn't drive to the class myself, and I can't remember why. Is it the rare moment I didn't have a car that I just turned in a lease? I can't remember now. But the point is, for the two days... <laughs> Of the of the the driving the Saturday and Sunday, I needed a family member to drive me, and I had to lie about where I was going. 
And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, t- I told them I was taking a cooking class. <laughs> it had to be done. All right, all right, so, okay, I don't have balls. What can I tell you? But I had to tell them I was taking a cooking class for two days. <laughs> so, I mean, look, I get where Robert's coming from. But I knew that once I passed the class, then I was, you know, I, I you know, I wasn't a... You know, I knew that I could I could get through it, you know, and I, and I did. Yeah, I took a lot of hell when I brought the bike back, and I, but I stood my ground. I'm like, no, this is for me, and the money I paid for the bike is not yours. It's my pension money, so let's stop that right now, and I'm going to ride because I've wanted to do this for 50 years or 40 years, whatever it is, do the math, 30 years. So I was strong enough to not let that, but they did try and get in my head, and, they, and I remember one time they did prevent me, prevent me from taking my first, like, trip with a friend. You know, a day trip, you know, because I think it even started raining a little bit. So they, they kind of got in my head and I just postponed the whole thing. But then after that, I just stopped. And then it got better, too, when when I got storage. So anyway, I got through it. But I know again, I know where Rob is coming from, because let me tell you something. My immediate family, everyone except my older boy, they have no idea that I'm on my third motorcycle. They have no idea how many miles I've put on, how much touring I've done. My my family in New York, they thought that every time I was visiting my son in Virginia that I was just hanging out. They had no idea I was on the bike going to Asheville, North Carolina, Chattanooga, Tennessee, going to see a friend in Atlanta, riding the Blue Ridge Parkway every day. They had no idea. And they still don't. It's hysterical. I, I mean, look, so I get, what, I get what my friend Rob is talking about, but... You know, and, and maybe one day will it catch, will it bite me in the ass? Will it catch up? I, mean, I couldn't care less because again, I'm living my life, and I'm not letting anybody stop me. So, but I get where I get where my friend Robert's going, and you know, I don't know if he's got the the capabilities to get through it like I've done in these last three years, right? But again, he can get a storage facility, and he can just tell his family, "Hey, I'm popping out for a little bit, seeing a little bit," right? I mean. I mean, he's 57 years old. Do you really have to tell your your media? You do really have to tell people where you're going and what you're doing at 57, really? You know, I mean, it's not like he's going out at night, right? I'm saying, and and like you know, oh, where are you going? It's like during the day. Like, do you really need to tell your family every like everywhere you go? I mean, that I don't get that. But again, it's a personal thing, right? So I'm not, I don't fault him for it. I just I I wish he I hope he can get over this. But again, the point of the story is we can minimize that regret. You know, we can really, we can really almost eliminate it. So this way, when you're 70, 80, 90 years old, I know I'm not going to say anything that I wish I did. I know for a fact I'm not. And I hope, the bottom line is this, my friends, I hope that when you are 70, 80, 90 years old, and you're in your rocking chair, wherever it may be. And I hope for you it's your log cabin or your lake house or your whatever. I just I just hope that when you're in that chair, that all you need to do is rock and smile and be proud of all you accomplished and be super proud and blessed that there's not one regret. Thanks for listening. This is Angelo Q, and I will chat with you as soon as I can. Take care.